I want to talk to you this morning just out of a phrase, out of two verses. I'm not going to take them out of context at all, but I'm just going to try to develop a message this morning around this thought, attitudes in life. Attitudes in life. You cannot say enough about how your attitude will determine your altitude. And I just believe that we need to speak on that subject. I'm going to take 1 Corinthians 11 and just a portion of thought out of verse 23. And then 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, just a, a, a thought out of those verses. And I think maybe if we'll get a hold of this, it'll help us just a little bit, if you would, to please. I read for you out of verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That's all I want you to think about today. He said, For I have received of the Lord. Where'd you get what you got? You said, Well, I don't have what you have. Maybe God can't trust you with it yet. I don't have what Trump's got either. Especially the headache. Amen. The guy couldn't be too smart being as wealthy as he is and taking on the load that he's just taken on. Hmm. At least Paul had the slightest idea where what he had from whence it came. And he said, I've received something from the Lord. So I'm not going to be like the average Christian and just sit on it. Save it. Rat hole it. Make sure I keep it. Is anybody listening now? I want to talk to you about attitude, about living. He said, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Now let that sink down just a little bit. What's life all about anyhow? Getting and keeping and guarding and locking it up, setting on it. Hoping it'll hatch. Could I please draw your attention to another verse? Because I think I got your attention with that one. Chapter 15. And uh, I would like to read just your portion out of verse 3, if it would be all right. Same man, Paul the writer. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also 
that which I also received. You know, that's just about the same thing he said over in that other verse, isn't it? I would just like to show you Paul's attitude. He's saying, I got something from the Lord, and I'm passing it on to you. Isn't that what stewardship is all about? Managing what somebody else has put into our trust. Uh, I've read my Bible through maybe a half a time or so. You know, somebody gets up and say, well, I've read it through 7,955 times. Well, I have read it through several times. And in my observation of the New Testament, I find two basic kinds of Christians. Could I please show them to you in the New Testament? Acts chapter number 3, we'll find the first Christian, an attitude that we want to discuss. Acts chapter 3 And we'll begin reading, and it won't take us long. Verse number 1 of Acts chapter 3. Two basic kind of Christians. Two basic kinds of attitudes found in the New Testament. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Watch this. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who? Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. Now, vision, if you would, please. An invalid, unable to walk, sitting at the gate of the temple with a cup in his hand, begging. And as people walked by, this man would yell out, Nishai, Nishai, Nishai. He said, what does that mean? Could you give me a little food? Could you give me a little bread? Could you lay a few coins in this cup? And the Bible said, as he saw Peter and John walk by, they were, the Bible said, and they were expecting to receive something. And the Bible said, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. Verse 5, and uh, he gave heed unto them. Now notice, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. Now that's one attitude. I don't have much. I don't have a lot. I'm not of the wealthy who's throwing in the abundance. And I don't have any money, but such as I have, give I thee. 
That's one attitude. I think that's a God-honoring attitude. Such as I have, give I thee. Let's you and I now go over to the book of Luke, chapter number 11, quickly. Maybe we can discover another attitude, if you would please, that uh, is very necessary for us to comprehend, if you would please. And the story goes... In verse number five, what's this? Now we're going to be done in time, so don't get worried about it, okay? I'm watching the clock and, oh, that thing stopped already. <laughs> that woke him up. <laughs> verse five, watch this. And I know you know all of this, but I thought I'd just remind you. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go into midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before it. Two attitudes. Such as I have, give I thee, I have nothing to set before it. I don't have much, but you can have what I got because I received of the Lord, and that which I received unto the Lord, I'm going to pass on to you. Another attitude, I can't afford it. I looked at my checkbook this morning. I'm so broke, I need a cosigner to pay cash. I have nothing. We have one or two of those attitudes. Every Christian, every Christian must watch their attitude. In America, you've got something. Regardless of who we are, we have something that we've received from the Lord. It's just that we take it for granted and we take credit for what we have. Paul said, what I've received of the Lord, I'm willing to deliver it unto you. What a wonderful attitude. Isn't that nice? Huh? Some of you don't like that very well. But I believe with all my heart One of those attitudes behooves each of us here today. Now, which one do you think would honor God more? Silver and gold, I have I none. They said they were Baptist. Amen. That's a Baptist verse if I ever heard one. I mean, we just took an offering. Some of you folk testified that you're the Baptist. Well, I can't put anything in there. I'm broke. Well, if the scripture is true about give, and it shall be given unto you, and you didn't give anything today, you certainly won't have anything next week to give. If I know anything about investment and returns, and if I know anything about the Word of God, 
evidently that's still true. So one Christian said, I don't have much and I don't have any silver and gold, but I've got something. This beggar was sitting there by the wayside begging expecting to receive something of these two Baptist preachers, and they asked for gold, and what they really needed was God. And Peter knew what he had was more precious than what he was asking for. Amen? I said amen. See, what we really think today we need is gold, but that's not really what we need. What we need is the blessings of God on our life. Can you say amen? So I, I just would like to leave with you these two attitudes. I have it and I'll give it. Or I have nothing to give. And I can honestly understand how anybody could live in America and not have something to give to God. Especially if you've been saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Especially if you realize that someplace on Hallelujah Boulevard, there's a mansion with your name on the mailbox. And it's spelt right. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't ask me how to spell Wolfenbarger? Do you understand this morning? You've got to be careful how you think. Stinking thinking leads to stinking doing. And it's our attitude that determines our altitude. I was so blessed yesterday. Uh, my first visitation yesterday was to go watch kindergartners and first graders play basketball. Now we have kids in our church that play basketball and play sports and I love to go watch them play. And uh, I was honored yesterday to go watch these boys play two different games. You say, well, why did you waste time doing that? Because I had a place to sit and an excuse not to move for a while. <laughs> and I watched those boys play. And all of them had a different attitude. Different attitude. At that age, they had a different attitude. Some of them wanted to fight. Some of them wanted to watch the other ones fight. Some of them hustled and some of them are wondering, what am I doing on this court right now? Some of them went for the ball and the other one's waving at mom and dad. <laughs> How am I doing, mom and dad? Mom and dad said, oh, you're doing great. You're waving wonderfully. But all of them had an attitude. All of them had a particular attitude. Some, it's mine. Some, I want the glory. Some, give me the ball. Some, I don't want that ball. Some, 
don't like riding a pine. One boy is sitting on the bench, just got up and made six on the court. They said, what you doing? He said, I'm not sitting over there anymore. I come to play. <laughs> so they run him back to the bench. Attitude, attitude, attitude. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that all of us today, all of us today, have something to give to the Lord. First of all, I think we all have a life to give to the Lord. It's not about money, may I help you and help you a little bit. Our lives is what God wants. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, your life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If God does not have your life, he does not want your money. The Bible says that God is worthy of your life. The Bible said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God, which you have of God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. If God has given you life, if God has given you the ability to breathe his oxygen, if God has given you talents, if God has given you ability to make a living, if God has given you what you have today, then why don't you be willing to give some of it back to God? It's an amazing thing to me. Why should you always be on the take? God is worthy of our life. The Bible says in the Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were created. Oh, God is worthy of our life. Listen to me, teenagers. Don't sell God short on your life. I tell you, all you have to do is to just look and see what sin does to the body. You know why they have the lights off at the, in the bars? It ain't because all the rats are running around. Because the devil don't want you to see what you're talking to. When you walk outside in the lights, sober, you won't ever walk back in there again. Because what that stuff makes you think you have just picked up. When you get out in the light, you want to get rid of. Hello? The Bible says that light manifest. It makes manifest. Go down there and watch those folks stagger out of those bars at two o'clock and look at those folks that sin has ravaged their life and ravaged their body and they look ten times as old as they are. Swollen bellies bragging about their 
about their belly, their beer belly, but that's not beer belly. That's a swollen liver. It's called cirrhosis. God did not make our liver to refine and to filter the stinking alcohol that is killing our folks across the land. Oh, you say they look so happy. Wait till they come down. Wait till they crash to the bottom and their joint is gone and their cocaine is gone and everything else is gone and they have to look in the mirror and face a reality of a life that's stolen from God, wrecked and destroyed in the junkyard of sin. Oh, listen to me. You have a life to give. Don't say you don't have anything to give to God. Don't have the attitude, I have nothing. When you have everything in the world to offer unto God. Amen. Fifty years I've been serving the Lord. Fifty years on a voluntary basis. Fifty years He's taken care of me every single hour. Fifty years I've punched no man's time clock. Fifty years I've taken no man's salary. Fifty years I've lived by faith. And fifty years I've been accused of stealing because God's been so good to give me so much. Amen. I play with the best golf clubs, ride the best horses, and hunt the best dogs. Married a beautiful wife and raised six idiots for kids. One of these days they're going to rat pack me and whoop me dead to rights. Amen. God has been good. God has been good and I would do nothing short of what I've already done with my life. I would not. I would not trade for the richest men in the world. I would not trade with the smartest and the wisest men in the world. Because what I have given God I now retain. And what I have stolen from God, I have lost. What shall it profit, the Bible said, if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Oh, dear friend, don't have the attitude that I have nothing to give to God. When you have everything to give to God, Give to God this afternoon. Give God tonight. Give God the first hour tomorrow. Give God all day long tomorrow. And that which you invest in God's business shall forever be your business. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to give that which I received back to him. Amen. amen. I said amen. You said I don't like this sermon. Me neither. That's the reason I'm going on just as quick as I can. He's worthy of our life because he gave his life that we might have life. What would life be without God? Let me tell you what it would be. Let me tell you what it would be. He'd be gang fighting. Drinking, drunk, hangovers, broke, working from week to week, running to the 
place that'll loan you money on your check till you get your check. Charging food off the tow main wagon because you're so broke you can't pay attention. You want me to tell you what it is without God? Barrooms. Fighting. Losing of teeth. Can't eat for several weeks. Sucking your food through a straw. Broke jaws. You want me to tell you? Oh, <laughs> it's an excited situation. Would you say amen? Jail houses. Looking through the bars. Surrendering to be a policeman for the rest of your life. What would it be without God? Huh? Uncertainty. Arguing. Selfishness. Nobody's important but us. What would it be without God? Oh, if I'm ringing your phone, you need to answer it. Ain't God good? Isn't God good to want anything from me? Isn't God great? You say, well, I don't have anything to give. Sure you do. Sure you do. You got your life to give. You're going to give it to somebody. You're going to give it to the devil, yourself, or the God, or God one. Amen. And do you know how to take care of it? How's it going? I just thought I'd drop by today to tell you. We've got one or two of these attitudes. I don't have much, but what I have, you can have. Or, I don't have anything to give. It's all mine. Now let's go on, because it looked like it clabbered just a little bit. Preach what I have to give. We have the truth to give. The truth to give. Now, I haven't watched much of the, uh, of the uh, inauguration deal. Uh, but boy, I'd hate to go to one of them prayer breakfasts. And try to decipher. Is Muhammad real? Is uh, Allah the God or... Is uh, Jehovah of the Jews the way to heaven? Or is this Jesus thing? Is anybody listening to me today? I'd be as confused as a grasshopper sitting in the middle of the freeway with his hopper broken. Let me tell you the truth. I am the way, truth, and the life. Now, you listen to me? We're living in a day when there's so much confusion about truth. Jesus said, I am truth. Anything else or anybody else is a lie. You understand that? You say that's narrow. 
truth always is. What's four and four? Not anymore, it's ten. We need to be very tolerant with truth, don't you think? Next time you go down to Walmart and you want your change back, just tell her to keep half of it because you want to be tolerant because you believe two and two seven. Well, why do you want the cashier down at Walmart to be more narrow than your preacher? Why is it you get mad at me when I'm narrow, but you demand that folk down at Walmart be narrow when it comes to your money? Why do you get upset at me when I tell these young folk, these these potential leaders of our church and our nation one day, when I try to ground them in truth, which is narrow, why do you say, you don't have to listen to that fuddy-duddy, that old 77-year-old dude, he's about ready to die anyhow. No, I ain't. (laughs) For you educated folk, I am not ready to die. You say, preacher, I don't have anything to give. You got truth. What's wrong with standing for truth? What's wrong with standing on the blood and standing on the book and standing on the blessed hope? But Jesus is coming again. Man, I was thrilled as I was driving down the highway and Franklin Graham, when he did his little do what did he in his prayer, he just read out of 1 Timothy that Jesus Christ was the only wise God. And over here stood Muhammad and over here stood Methuselah. And, oh, if I'd have been all of them, I'd have left right then. Well, preacher, you ought not to be that narrow. No, sir, I have a truth to give. And I stand on nothing but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I have my life to give. May not be much. Fifty years ago, I laid on an altar, Central Park Baptist Church in Farmer's Branch, Texas. An absolute thumb-sucking, 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 thumb-sucking. Some kind of sucking <laughs> introvert. <laughs> all right? Just shut up. Now, I'll give him all I got. I can't help if I can't talk. But 50 years ago at an old-fashioned altar, just like that one, I knelt and gave him all that I was. And you'd be surprised what he's done. In return. Huh? You'd be surprised. I gave him my life. And for 50 years I've been trying my best. To give you the truth. Nothing but the truth. So help me God. So don't say you have nothing to give. Because you do have something to give. You've got your life to give. You have truth to give. And you have salvation to give. Amen. What a wonderful gift. Huh? What a wonderful, wonderful thing 
to be bestowed upon. Paul said, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. How? How that Christ died for our sins. <laughs> Amen. According to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that on the third day, he rose again. Amen. I have salvation to give. Everywhere the apostle Paul went, I can hear him saying, let me tell you what happened to me on the road to Damascus. <laughs> I was riding on my horse, my mule, my donkey, my ostrich, or whatever I was riding on. And I was going around the road to Damascus. And suddenly there shone around about me a great light. And something slapped me off my donkey. It flat on my back. And I looked up and I heard someone say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I guarantee that'll get your attention. Amen. Amen. For years, I've been sharing the gospel with folks all over this country. I learned early the Roman road. Then I studied the Jericho road. And then I taught the Samaritan road. But the most fruitful road I've ever got on in dealing with someone about the Lord is let me tell you about my road. It was on a Thursday evening after a hard day's work in a tool and die shop. Come home smelling like oil and grease and I sit on my couch and I heard a knock on my door. It was Brother Williams. And he said, could I come in and talk to you for just a while? And he sat beside me on my couch. Yes, he did. And he reached in his pocket and pulled out a New Testament and said, Gene, could I talk to you for just a little while about the Lord? And it wasn't long till I'd slid off my couch with tears streaming down my eyes and fell to my knees and invited Jesus to come into my heart. And I've won more people to Christ with that testimony than I have the Roman road, the Jericho road, the Samaritan road, and all the roads in the world. Don't tell me you don't have anything to give. No, you got a testimony to give. Were you there the day you got saved? Could I ask you again? Were you there the day you got saved? Won't you just tell somebody what happened to you then? You got nothing to give? Ha! You kidding? You got your life? You have truth. You say, preacher, why are you a Baptist? Because we're right. Amen. Notice I didn't smile. 
How many churches did Jesus start? Oh, really? What kind of hypocrite would I be if I wasn't in the right one? You say, well, you sure are a cocky booger. Well, at 77, you ought to be cocky about something. Because there's just some things you can't be cocky about. And one of them is that Jesus started only one church. Might all get in the New Testament and find out which one it is. I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying I'm right. <laughs> Amen. If you'd like to talk about it in my office sometime, you bring the Pepsis and we'll talk all you want to. And we'll do it in the right spirit. We'll do it out of the right book. You've got truth to give. Hmm? You've got salvation to give. I ain't got no time to give. We're done. But you've got material possessions to give to. You say, preacher, you don't understand. I don't have anything to eat. Then what's going to hurt you to give what you got if you're going to starve to death anyhow? I'm broke. Well, are they giving that stuff way down at Dairy Queen now? I just need to leave with you. Two dangers come with having possessions. Two dangers, and I'm done. Two dangers. The first danger with having stuff is covetousness. Excessive desire of wanting more. They that will be rich fall into divers' temptation. That's why it says, they that will be with fall into different temptations. Divers' lust, and which some have coveted after have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, how many homes has been busted because of finances? Or junk. You know, I, I was preaching a meeting one time and, and I started going to the preacher's house and the wife said, take your shoes off! And they wasn't Chinese. <laughs> she had just put white carpet all through her house. Dear God, ain't carpet to walk on? Not that place. Take your shoes off outside. You can walk on my carpet. I thought to myself, self, won't you just go back to the motel and tell her you'll buy a hamburger? How foolish we are. Huh? How foolish we are. Take your shoes off before you get in the car. The Bible said, beware of covetousness. The second danger of stuff is worry. The excessive thought process. Take no thought. I would say to you day in closing, we're the richest people in the world. Hmm? I'm a 77-year-old man that's healthy, healthy, 
as any 90-year-old you know. I know which book to go to for the answer. I have truth. I've been saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I know I'm dying one day at a time. What you looking at? So are you. And I pray God give me grace to die gracefully and with a smile on my face and a song in my heart that I'm going to a land that's fairer than day. I've got truth. I've been saved. And I got all kinds of junk to enjoy, to work on, to pay for having fixed, to break down, to rust, rot, and a wrinkle. And all of God's people say, such as I have, give I thee. Paul said this in closing. He said, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Amen? 30 years ago, my wife and I were so broke, we'd need a cosigner to pay cash. And we started your church broke with no support from anybody. So she and I bought a $600 trailer across the road from Mr. Crawford. And every morning we'd put Amanda in the truck and take off to Walnut Springs, Texas and buy two and a half cord of wood. And we'd haul it to the Metroplex and we'd sell it and put the money in the church. And then the next day we'd do the same. Broke, living in a 900-foot frame house that you did not need a weather rooster on top to see which way the wind was blowing. You just looked at the curtains. No closet, no heat, no air conditioning. That's 30 years ago. But what we had, we passed on to you. Not much, but it's all we had. And I've preached the truth. And I've tried to win souls. And I've participated in every offering that you've ever taken. I delivered unto you first that which I received. And all of God's people said,
The church meeting, an offering was being taken, and a very wealthy man rose to give his testimony of why he had accomplished so much financially. He bragged for such a while. And he said, back yonder years ago, when you took that first offering, I had a decision I needed to make that night. I had one dollar in my pocket. I could either give that dollar to the Lord, or I could keep that dollar and do what I wanted to do with it. And that night I was led by the Holy Spirit of God to give everything that I had to the offering. And because I did that, God has richly blessed me and now I'm many times a millionaire. He stepped away from the pulpit and made his way to the pew and sat down by an elderly lady. And she leaned over and said, I dare you to do that again. I dare you to do that again. 